Hello, you're listening to Astrology Hotline. I'm Kyle Pierce, and this was the forecast for January 9th, 2023 through January 15th, uh, the first time I recorded it. But due to a microphone uh, malfunction, it didn't end up actually getting the audio or the original forecast. So being that it is Monday night already, and going through the day by day is going to be of increasingly limited value. I'm just going to focus on the main event for this week, astrologically, and that is Mars stationing direct. And this is uh, kind of too important, too significant of a transit not to say something about, as much as I'm not exactly eager to <laughs> re retread the same territory again. suppose we all have to pay our dues to our retrograde Lord of Communication, Mercury, which, uh, as I'm recording just now, is still retrograde and still very much combust, or at least pretty burnt, though starting to separate from its conjunction with the sun back on Saturday the 7th, which I hope you all received some useful clarification or insight during the Mercury Kazemi. I certainly did, but it would seem that those insights don't negate the retrograde condition of, of Mercury still. Still got a ways to go, which I would say is going to be still relevant to Mars stationing direct on uh, about January 12th, Thursday morning. Because even when Mars is starting to move forward, its ruler, Mercury, is still going backwards. So certainly expect to see, <clears throat> certainly expect to see uh, a change in direction or a shift in momentum on the day of the station. But uh, don't expect to quite have uh, full traction yet until Mercury also stations direct uh, next Wednesday, January 18th. But perhaps we should get ourselves uh, reacquainted real quick with the sort of sequence of events around uh, Mars's retrograde in Gemini, which we would typically identify as beginning when Mars reaches, uh, it's called its shadow degree, which is basically when Mars reached the degree on which it's stationing on Thursday, as it marks the span of degrees <clears throat> that Mars is going to end up covering, uh, not once like it usually does, but three times. And it will spend an especially long time on this particular degree. As it's stationing to start moving forward, it, uh, it takes some time to get that train moving again. But it's also certainly worth noting uh, when Mars initially en entered Gemini. So in the broadest sense, Mars's retrograde in Gemini means just a lot of Mars in Gemini. And uh, its entrance into the sign is going to be a relevant point to mark events that are, are tied to this cycle, both personally and in a mundane sense. So Mars initially entered Gemini on August 20th, 2022, and then entered the shadow period on September 4th, 2022. And then over the next <clears throat> month or so, continued to decelerate until stationing retrograde on Halloween, October 31st of 2022 at 25 degrees of Gemini. And since then, Mars has been grinding down on the degrees of Gemini between uh, 25 and 8 degrees, right up until Thursday, January 12th, where Mars will retread that middle portion of Gemini one last time, 
finally leaving its shadow <clears throat> March 16th of 2023, and finally, mercifully, leaving <laughs> Gemini uh, March 26th. So you may want to reflect back on significant events that have happened so far around those significant dates, particularly if you have planets in Gemini, especially between 8 and 25 degrees of Gemini, but also if you have planets in mutable signs between those degrees. But also, just in case you thought you were safe, Cancers and Capricorns, due to the relationship that the sign of Gemini has with Cancer and Capricorn called Antitia and Contra Antitia, respectively, the retrograde is also likely to be impactful for you if you have planets or important angles on and to a lesser degree in between uh, 5 and 22 degrees of Cancer and Capricorn. So what can we expect from Mars stationing direct? What does it mean? Well, there are a few ways I like to think about it. One way is that you can imagine um, being being Mars, and because you are Mars, you like to drive around in a big-ass tank. And as you are Mars uh, terrorizing the world with your big-ass tank, say you stop at the local diner because, you know, terrorizing people is hungry business. And, you know, you leave the diner, you get back on the freeway, and you get all the way to 25 degrees of Gemini and realize you forgot, you realize you forgot your favorite grenade launcher back at the diner. And again, because you are Mars and you believe that traffic laws are for suckers, you don't get off at the nearest exit, but you just put your tank in reverse and start grinding backwards uh, against traffic, just smashing any cars that don't manage to swerve out of the way until you finally get back to the diner. And the whole time you are super pissed that you had to waste all this time because you're Mars, you like to go forward and you like to go in straight lines. And so now that you're back at eight degrees of Gemini, you stomp in the diner, you grab your grenade launcher, flick off the waitress and kick the bus boy in the balls and stomp back into your, into your tank. And you get back on the freeway, except now there is a, a freeway full of, of wreckage because some asshole uh, plowed through oncoming traffic in reverse for about a 18 degree stretch of road. And, you know, there may even be a uh, traffic jam, you know, because the road is so obstructed. So as Mars, you know, you might have to take another route uh, or you might just have to wait patiently through the traffic jam, which you're not likely to do. Uh, but driving uh, over the top of the traffic jam, monster truck style, is also going to, you know, take some additional time. You know, we're not moving forward full speed ahead. And we're probably still uh, rather pissed that we are essentially um, retracing ground that we already covered, but perhaps with the relief that, you know, we didn't forget anything this time. And, you know, hopefully uh, the vast majority of us um, are at least trying to exercise some of the more courageous and noble virtues of Mars and, you know, or maybe uh, living a, a less destructive version of this. Certainly, uh, you're likely to suffer fewer impediments going forward if uh, you've been exercising a bit of self-restraint the past couple months, but also, you know, other faculties of your psyche, which do not fall uh, under the domain of Mars, 
are also at play. So, you know, for the vast majority of us, uh, less dramatic and less destructive versions of this are, are likely to be what you've encountered so far. But nonetheless, this is the sort of energy that we've been dealing with and, and probably in more of an essential um, quality of this period is there is sort of a buildup of martial energy happening. This is like um, if you're playing Sonic the Hedgehog and you're, you know, really cruising, but at some point you hit one of the little spiky pits and you bounce off, you lose all your rings. Um, you're still alive, but, you know, you lost your momentum. You're low on lives. You got a, uh, a boss battle coming up. And, you know, one of those big helix spirals that you got to get through to get to the next stage. And uh, for that, you need speed. So you got to back up a little bit, rebuild your speed. Now knowing where all the, the jumps and obstacles are so that you can make it through that that helix loop. So what this point is in the Mars cycle is a point where some of the energy or tension that has been built up is going to start to release or start to be uh, directed in a, a more specific direction. You know, Mars can uh, finally return to its mission now that it's uh, removed, <clears throat> now that it's uh, gotten whatever it, it came back for at this point. Now, that's uh, going to be the general energy of any Mars retrograde cycle, and it applies here as much as it does to any other Mars retrograde. But we want to look uh, more specifically what's happening in relationship with Mars as he uh, gets back on the warpath. What kind of uh, influences is, is he under? Is he being uh, antagonized by anything in particular? Is he being supported in any particular way? Is he being uh, pacified, maybe, or stabilized? Well, uh, what's rather interesting about this Mars station is uh, Mars is stopping and is going to be essentially sitting on this degree for the rest of the month, and it is in a conjunction with the fixed star Aldebaran. This is one of the royal fixed stars. It's a very powerful star. And all four of the royal fixed stars have a certain way of going about uh, achieving power. And Aldebaran goes about achieving power by means of the uh, the acquisition of stuff, essentially, of material, uh, material things like wealth, money, property, land. But this acquisition can also apply to things like ideas, friends or, or allies. The idea is having control over something uh, over which there is some... Um, maybe finite amount available or sort of acquiring a favorable distribution of a set portion of something in order to have an advantage or uh, like dominant share of something. So it's kind of during the stationary period, we might start to see Mars um, starting to accumulate resources in order to uh, launch or support uh, its mission, right? Whatever uh, its goal is. Now, uh, Mars also has a bit of support from planetary influences as well during this uh, period of its station <clears throat> as we have Venus uh, separating from a trine with Mars, about 12 degrees of Aquarius, and Jupiter uh, applying to a sextile that won't quite perfect, but at this point it's um, within orb, we'll say, of a, a wide sextile. But this actually can represent a, a form of a benefic enclosure for Mars as 
Mars is basically sitting in between the rays of benefic planets, Mar, uh, Jupiter and Venus, without the intervention of another aspect. And while it'll get broken up sporadically by the moon, Mars is essentially going to stay like that for at least the couple first couple weeks. Now that enclosure is going to get wider and weaker as Venus continues moving forward in Aquarius and eventually making a conjunction with Saturn. However, this does rather look like Mars is uh, supported to one degree or another, uh, maybe in some cases being made good. Though, you know, with Mars, uh, Mars uh, can't be favorable to everybody. In the, uh, the games that Mars plays, there is always a winner and a loser. So while favorable for, for some folks, some entities still likely to be disfavorable for others really depending on on which side of Mars you land on. But, you know, we might see generally, um, at least hopefully, uh, maybe a more humane or careful application of Mars force, uh, at least more than usual, would be ideal. Or perhaps um, this could kind of look like uh, Venus and Jupiter containing Mars and only allowing it to rain destruction down on uh, its specific sort of area of action, you know, where it needs to. I uh, can't remember off the top of my head which historical general said this, but the quote goes something like, um, the only good war is a swift war, or something to that effect. Essentially, the idea being that the uh, faster a conflict ends, the less overall destruction there is. And that is uh, kind of the thing with Mars retrograde is that it's not fast moving Mars. It's very slow. So in many ways, it can uh, maximize destruction or draw that destruction out over a long agonizing period of time. So, you know, while uh, Mars may not be moving fast yet, hopefully um, this can at least look like more of a a surgical kind of strike where we're only uh, cutting where necessary in uh, whichever area of your life this might apply, or perhaps getting the opportunity to evacuate and save some of your possessions before the the house burns down, so to speak. But uh, there is one other factor that could potentially uh, fly under the radar, or is maybe not immediately obvious, and, and that is that once again, Antitia seemed to be at play, as if you uh, count from the uh, cusp of Cancer to where Mars is, you get 22 degrees. Likewise, if you count from the cusp of Capricorn to where the sun is, you get, oh, 22 degrees. Hmm. So this would be a uh, contra Antitia, which some <clears throat> astrologers have likened to being of the nature of an opposition, as they uh, represent points in the zodiac where uh, the length of day and night mirror each other, but they're opposite. So while the day might be, say, hypothetically 16 hours long at eight degrees Gemini, and the night eight hours, inversely, the, the night would be 16 hours long and the day eight hours uh, over at 22 Capricorn. So they're not doing the, the same thing like they would be at, say, uh, eight degrees of Gemini and, and 22 Cancer which would have the, the same length of day and night, they're, they're doing a sort of opposite sort of thing. And so uh, Mars is doing a sort of opposite sort of thing to, uh, to the sun. 
And while um, the relationship between Mars and the sun is uh, potentially more contentious in nature uh, to varying degrees, there's an interesting sort of theme around both planets that, that sort of looks similar. Uh, and that is with Mars uh, um, on, Aldebaran, uh, on Aldebaran looking to uh, acquire and amass uh, material and sort of uh, win by conquest uh, if you're playing like Civ, Civ 5 or something. Uh, where you get different kinds of victories. You get cultural victories, political victories, science victories. Uh, this is a conquest victory that Mars is looking for, which naturally is, is suits Mars. Um, uh, the sun at 22 Capricorn is in the the third decan of Capricorn, which is in the Chaldean order, a solar decan. It's a sun-ruled decan. So there's sort of a, a, a throne here for the sun to sit on. And the kind of throne it is, is a very earthly material sort of throne. Uh, the themes that come up in this decan have to do with um, how how uh, one goes about acquiring and maintaining control over a, a physical domain and how to you know secure and stabilize its resources so that it doesn't uh, crumble from within or succumb to uh, forces from without. Naturally, in, in Capricorn, you know you're going to tend to want to build a wall <laughs> around that particular domain. Right, it doesn't quite have the same uh, invasion kind of energy that maybe Mars Aldebaran does, but certainly both seem to have uh, something to say about asserting uh, dominance and control over a geographical location, potentially. And you know, Mars and the Sun are not uh, completely dissimilar planets. Uh, they are certainly different, but they're both hot um, in terms of temperament. They're both hot and dry. So they're both uh, active and kind of separating, individuating planets. And, you know, when you just look at their glyphs, though, you can see that like Mars has a pointy thing at the end. It's like a circle with a spear. So it is uh, directed and penetrating while the sun is sort of expanding and occupying. So you often get uh, Mars being uh, much like a soldier with the sun being a bit more like a king. And, you know, when it comes to the sort of uh, little enclosure that uh, Mars is experiencing. I mean, you could say that this relationship with the sun might be breaking that enclosure to some degree, but it has me thinking that it's kind of um, isolating the direction of Mars's focus uh, in the the direction of, of the sun. And uh, traditionally, when it came to these antitial relationships, the signs were sort of given different uh, roles in those relationships. In this case, Gemini said to be a commanding sign while uh capricorn is a, a obeying sign basically all the, the signs from uh, aries to virgo are considered commanding while the signs from libra to pisces were obeying signs so say that like gemini um, speaks and capricorn listens it's also uh, been put as like um, gemini seeing capricorn while capricorn beholds Maybe a, seems like a subtle distinction, but it's the idea that uh, in this context, in theory, uh, Mars would be doing something to the sun a little more than the sun is doing something to Mars. But the sun is maybe receiving something from Mars. And, you know, in a lot of contexts, you know, there could be a bit of um, a mitigation to 
what could be a contentious relationship between Mars and the sun, depending on how you look at it, uh, given that the sun is in uh, Mars's exaltation, sign of Mars's exaltation, which may make Mars a, a little more sympathetic. It could also be seen as Mars having a little more um, knowledge of the space that the sun is occupying than maybe the sun does. I don't know, a lot of different ways of looking at it. But uh, I'm thinking about the idea of um, how often a, a swift end to a conflict is the most merciful or least destructive way to engage in, in, a, in a conflict. One of the ways I can think to end a conflict, at least uh, one between armies, is by taking out the leader. If you take out the leader, the army will tend to disintegrate and you may be able to win a battle without having to fight at all. Now, uh, I'll leave that to your own imagination to see how that, uh, consider how that might play out um, on a more personal level or individual level or less literal level. But it does have me thinking about the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine. Typically during a, a Mars retrograde cycle, uh, you can look to, to any um, literal wars happening in the world at any given time uh, and see those themes playing out. It's uh, around when Mars entered its shadow period uh, is when Ukraine launched the, uh, the Kyrgyzstan offensive, which was this kind of tricky uh, multi-pronged attack on Russian forces that resulted in a rapid advancement of U Ukrainian forces and uh, reoccupying of a significant amount of territory. And since then, it's sort of slowed down, sort of devolved into uh, almost like trench-like warfare in certain areas. But around uh, Mars's station retrograde, Vladimir Putin announced a partial mobilization of Russian forces, which uh, essentially amounted to the mass conscription of up to 300,000 Russian citizens. And uh, it's resulted in a big kind of public backlash, uh, a bunch of people fleeing the country, and he ended up uh, rescinding or suspending the mobilization and uh, looked into other means, many of which uh, questionable as to their efficacy to um, solve the manpower issue that Russia has, is having. <clears throat> now, similarly, uh, Ukraine has a problem with a different kind of shortage, and that's a shortage in ammunition and weapons. Uh, Ukraine has all the manpower that it needs for the most part, but has essentially been waiting for Western nations to supply uh, sufficient weapons and ammunition and other material to uh, sustain their war effort. So at this point in the conflict, both sides are sort of limited in their capacity to pursue uh, an aggressive strategy and have been kind of using alternative means in some cases, such as uh, mass drone strikes, right, with Mars and Gemini, uh, or otherwise um, engaging in these kind of long um, and very deadly uh, battles where both sides suffer a lot of casualties or a much um, smaller amount of territory gained. So I would certainly expect to see some significant developments uh, around the Mars station. Um, and I'm, I'm very interested to see how some of the specifics of this might play out. Uh, I have read some articles suggesting that Ukraine has been amassing forces for an offensive against Russia, which would be a little, it would be a bit of a strange time for an offensive, uh, given that it's the middle of winter 
in an area of the world known for having some of the, the harshest winters, or at least winters um, that are not super conducive to a lot of movement. And furthermore, winters that have been known to um, destroy an invading force on multiple occasions in history. I've also read that European production is finally starting to catch up to Ukrainian demands. So I'm a little reticent to say specifically what I think might happen, but I think at minimum we can expect to see uh, the nature of the conflict uh, evolve and change and possibly start to uh, pick up speed over the uh, the next few weeks. And then, uh, then uh, at the, the risk of being uh, overly optimistic, as somebody who would like to see a, a swift end to the conflict, ideally in, in favor of um, Ukrainian sovereignty, personally, the theme with the Mars sun, Kondratisha, could look like, if not being applied to this conflict specifically, um, you know, Mars stun, sun stuff, you know, we might see uh, somewhere in the world at the death, uh, perhaps a sudden or violent one of a solar figure of some kind, a leader, or someone with a significant public profile. This could look also like the um, like uh, the overthrow of a status quo government of some kind, or like the hostile takeover of a corporation, potentially. There are uh, a lot of interesting ways that this can play out, but I think individually, you know, it does represent a moment to sort of stop and uh, listen to what Mars has to say. Uh, this is uh, Mars is going to be in a condition known as a phasis, and a phasis is basically a, a one of several conditions that a planet can be in where it is likely to make a, a statement, sort of announce itself and its intentions. <clears throat> uh, stations are one of these moments, as well as sign ingresses uh, and helical risings as well. That is when a, a planet um, first becomes uh, visible in the sky, either by rising um, or uh, emerging from being obfuscated by the, the rays of the sun when uh, in a conjunction. <clears throat> so I know I, I have set an intention to uh, go out Wednesday or Thursday night, uh, ideally during the hour of Mars, and see what uh, Mars has to say. Often when you uh, set an intention like that to greet a planet during one of these moments of phosphorus, you'll get some weird and usually very meaningful co-occurrences. You know, pay attention to uh, any objects that are out of the ordinary or any um, animals that you might encounter when you do that. And uh, you can often uh, pull a lot of meaning out of those, those little encounters. And in fact, if you uh, end up doing something like this during uh, Mars's station and you have any interesting encounters, I would really, really love to hear what your experience is. These stories are usually very interesting. And I'd be glad to help you uh, pull apart, you know, maybe the meaning of uh, what you see or experience, help you figure it out. But uh, with that, I'm going to forego the day by day this week and call it a night. And uh, don't forget to leave us a review. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple or iTunes, it's super easy and really helps the podcast out, uh, especially in getting the podcast associated with like other podcasts uh, that you listen to in the algorithms and increasing the chance that astrology hotline will appear as a recommendation for people who like, you know, the same stuff that you do. And uh, if you're interested in learning about the 36 decans of the Zodiac, consider joining us on the three of wands discord server for our 
tri-monthly Deccan crawl. Uh, it's um, about three Tuesdays a month at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, during which we go over the meaning and associated images and uh, associated deities of whichever Deccan the sun is in for that week and uh, engage in a group discussion in which we share our thoughts and interpretations and how they might show up uh, in our lives and in the world. And you can find find the link to the server in the show notes. We would love to have you join the discussion. And as always, you can book a reading with me at kylepierceastrologer.com. You all have a great week. Thanks so much for listening. And if you have a question you would like to hear answered on Astrology Hotline, shoot us an email at astrologyhotlinepod at gmail.com. Thank you.